Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together, verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening through the Bible podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. We're in a fascinating book, the book of Joel. The book of Joel is a book. It's only three chapters, but it is. it seems like it's all about the future. It's the book of Joel in the Old Testament, but he's looking way past the Old Testament times. He's looking towards the end times. So not only was this a book of prophecy for the uh, Old Testament uh, nation, but it's still a book of prophecy for us today. It's still pointing towards... um, Jesus Christ and beyond. This is how God is going to save people. And so it starts off with terrible, terrible times, a terrible, terrible locust plague, and then this reference to the coming day of the Lord. This is when God will completely um, do away with sin and and restore the earth, restore people's hearts, restore the nation Israel Uh, and make all things new, that God is sovereign, He's in control, He answers prayers, and for those who call on Him, no matter how bad times get, He says, there is no fear. So as we said yesterday, tremendous applications for us in our life, in our daily walk today. We don't have to be going through... um, a locust plague, or uh, something terrible, devastation, with no food, no light, no water, no hope. But we may be going through trials, tribulations, tests, things like that, and we can still call on the Lord. So let me take up, uh, we were just finishing up verses 25 yesterday. It says, I will restore you to the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. So he says, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore the earth. And I'm also, and I personally don't understand this, but he says, I will restore to you the years He's going he's gonna to even restore the time that people lost, okay? And, and however God's sovereignty means for that, it's, it just sounds like God is in control even of the time itself. 
He says, now as we're taking up in verse 26, you shall eat plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. And you think about uh, all throughout the Old Testament, it's just one nation after another nation conquering Israel or they're being occupied by a foreign army or they're lost in the desert. Or they're going from being a nation in slavery to the powerful nation and then being brought down again. And always being put to shame by other nations. And always struggling to survive. And even today in modern day in our generation, always being put to shame, always struggling to survive. Verse 27, you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. So what is all this? It, you know, as McGee says, it's pointing towards the day of the Lord. It's pointing towards Jesus Christ's return. It is pointing towards a restoration of the earth, the heavens, and each one of us. And then McGee says, um, we come to verse 28, and it's almost like it should be another little chapter because um, McGee says he shifts the focus a little bit. And uh, so uh, basically this last part of chapter 2 is basically something that was quoted in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 17 through 21. This is quoted line for line in the book of Acts by Peter. And this was when, uh, on the day of Pentecost, when they were meeting. This was after Jesus Christ was put to death. Um, the, the young Christians are meeting, and the... Then came from heaven, I'm just going to read in verse chapter 2, that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Verse 2, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Verse 3, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And um, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And uh, at the sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are these... uh, are not all these who are speaking <clears throat> Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthenians and Medes and uh, Alamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, uh, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Pharyngia and Pamphla, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Crean and visitors from Rome, both Jews and uh, um, 
Mesopotamians, Cretans, and Arabians. In other words, there's a whole bunch of people from a whole bunch of different areas, right? And we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocked them, saying they are filled with new wine. Okay, and then verse 14, again, this is Acts chapter 2. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. In other words, it's too early for the drunks to get drunk, right? But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So he flashed back to Joel. And this is Peter. This is still uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. The great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. This is verse 22. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held, up, held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord before me. Okay, so, this is, I mean... Peter goes right to Joel when it looks like the Holy Spirit is getting poured out on them, right? I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And Jesus said, you know, I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to help you, right? And so, um, so now Joel is saying... And my people shall never be put to shame. And he's talking about how he's going to restore them. Remember in chapter 2, he's talking about how he's going to restore them. You know, chapter 2, verse 25, I will restore you the years that the swarm of locusts have eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. How's he going to restore everybody? It's through what Jesus Christ did, right? Jesus Christ is the answer here. It's the key. This whole thing is talking about Jesus Christ. I will restore you. Okay? So he's going to be able to have that restoration process. Okay? But all this destruction with the locust plague and all this stuff has happened after Jesus Christ has come. Because this is pointing to the day of the Lord when he returns. Okay? So he's saying... So none of this is supposed to occur before Jesus Christ. This is before his return. So Jesus Christ has already come, but in Joel's time, he's not yet come. Joel's looking forward to Jesus Christ coming, but he's talking about how ultimately the earth is going to be restored. 
right? So then when Peter and the boys are there at Pentecost and they have the Holy Spirit coming, Peter goes back to Joel saying, he's quoting Joel saying, look, God's going to pour out his Holy Spirit and everybody's going to have the Holy Spirit just like Jesus Christ promised. But he's saying the day of the Lord hasn't yet come yet. Okay, because that's that's pointing even more down the road in the future. But 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 Peter's saying, time out here, boys. Remember that God said he's going to give us his Holy Spirit. And Christ has come. You've put Christ to death, but that's not the end of it. That's not the end of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ has said to us, God said, even back to Joel, pointing that that God's going to give man his Holy Spirit. And God is sovereign over that Holy Spirit, you know, over, over all of this. And the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. And He's going to restore us all using this. And then He's, um, but then... He's quoting Joel is saying, not only is he going to give us his Holy Spirit, but one day it shall come to pass that when Jesus Christ then comes back, <clears throat> the fact that he has poured out his Holy Spirit on each of us who call his name, who call on his name, we have that relationship through his gospel message that we can call on our Father in heaven. We can call out for our salvation. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ that came, he, if it wasn't for His coming, the locust plague will be the end of it, right? There's nothing that we... We can't call on the name of the Lord. But because Jesus Christ is in the earth, we can call on the name of the Lord. See how this... It's all pivoting around Jesus Christ. So what Joel is doing here and what Peter is touching on is Joel is referencing to the gift that Jesus Christ has given the earth. But he's also saying through that power, this is the ultimate way the earth will be restored and all of us will be restored in the end times because even though the world is totally in sin, God's going to have mercy on it and God's going to restore it. And those who call on his name will be restored. That's his message here. And so, so and as McGee points out, I think it's very important that we make a note on this. Uh, McGee points out that when Peter touched on this verse, you know, when they were getting the Holy Spirit poured out, he didn't say, and now the prophecy has been fulfilled. He didn't say that. Okay? So if he had said that, that would be a reference that this is the um, you know, completion. This fulfills Joel's prophecy. He didn't say that. He's calling on them to say, this is what Joel was talking about as God is working out his plan to save every one of us and ultimately all of the people in the future and ultimately restore his kingdom and reestablish his kingdom.
All of this is a package, and we're somewhere in the middle of it, or we're somewhere in in this whole from A to Z package here, and that's what I believe you know um, this is this is talking about here. Okay, so. Now we're back in Joel. We're going to jump back in in verse 28 from Joel, and we're going to see how it, it is exactly what Peter is talking to all the boys about when they are speaking in tongues. Verse 28, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Okay? So this is, the, this is almost like a subset of chapter 2. Like, how's it going to happen? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. Now, this is not like coming to pass right then in Peter's time. Peter's acknowledging, but it's the process that that Peter's acknowledging that God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Again, this is a reference to Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, all of these things can happen before his return. Okay, so I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So in those days, can be the days before the coming of the Lord, um, as when Jesus Christ, in those days when Jesus Christ is here, and when Jesus Christ was put to death, His Holy Spirit is there. And because the Holy Spirit was poured out on these boys over here in, at Pentecost, that's what Peter's referencing. And when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, when they feel the Spirit of Christ, Peter's saying, yeah, it can happen because Jesus Christ promised it. <clears throat> and not only did Jesus Christ promise it, it is, it is what Joel is talking about. And this fulfillment, this this um, gift of the Holy Spirit is not only coming from Jesus, but he's, he's, he's validating, Jesus is validating all of the Old Testament prophecy coming from Joel specifically. This Holy Spirit that we get from God is a real promise. This Holy Spirit that we get from God uh, is not just these boys saying, oh, we're drunk and we want to have Jesus with us and we're, we're, we've got a Jesus complex. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're the uh, Jesus death deniers. We, we deny that Jesus even died and we've, we're hung up on Jesus. He's saying, no, that's not what this is all about at all. He's saying that this promise that each one of us can have the Holy Spirit came from the Old Testament. This is a promise that comes to us long before Jesus came here. Jesus is, he has, um, this promise of the Holy Spirit from the Lord is what how God wants to restore each one of us. And this is how we can call on God. This is how we now have redemption. We have peace with God. Because Jesus has died for our sins, there is no longer a barrier between us and God the Father. There is no longer a separation. The Holy Spirit now can dwell in any of us, and there's no boundaries or barriers, okay? This is tremendous scripture here. 
Verse 30, And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, and blood and fire and columns of smoke. Now, my study Bible says this could be like a military thing, uh, you know, like in the end times when Christ is, you know, re- returning and reestablishing the kingdom, and and he's he's uh, laying level the the armies of the world, you know, this battle of Armageddon, perhaps. Uh, but or could it be just wonders that he shows? Um, we don't know, and I don't know. But it's this is prophesying towards the time when he reestablishes his kingdom. Okay, so again, this is even farther down the road than what Peter's than Peter's time. But Peter's acknowledging what Joel's acknowledging that we have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to be with us, and the Holy Spirit is going to allow all of us to call on His name, even to the future, future generation. That will be present in the times of the last days when Jesus will reestablish his kingdom. And this is how these people will be saved. The sun, verse 31 again, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Again, that is way down the future, which is in the future, our future too. This is prophecy for us. Verse 32, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Again, this is because of the work of the Holy Spirit allowing each of us to call on the name of the Lord. Which is what Peter and the boys experienced some of this. They were like saying, look, yeah, we're validating that the Holy Spirit is being poured out on the world. That's exactly what Joel was talking about. That's why Jesus Christ was here. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. So, again, those who call on the Lord are almost... Like It's almost like God is sovereign over each one of us. God knows who his sheep are, and the sheep will hear the shepherd's voice. So those who call on the name of the Lord are answering the call that God's calling them, that God's calling their hearts. So open your hearts. He's saying, you know, open your hearts and hear the call of your good shepherd. He's calling each one of us. And if the shepherd is calling the sheep, the sheep who, who belong to the shepherd are going to hear his voice. And that's what we need to do. We need to open our, open our ears and open our hearts and open our minds to the, to the call of the one who loves us so much. The one who died for us, the one who gave us his Holy Spirit is calling us. He wants us to call him back. So he can save us. We'll be survivors. Now, whether you're living in the times, the end times, you're a literal survivor right then and there. But uh, if not, um, you know, you're surviving whatever sin you're in right now because you're just as dead as they're going to be before the day of the Lord. I mean... 
Whether you're rich or poor or popular or unpopular, you're just as dead as the other person's dead. When you're both laying there on the slab, both of you are just as dead, just as lost. But the one who knows the Lord, who hears the Lord's voice, who calls on the name of the Lord, survives. They'll be a survivor because the Lord's called them. They've heard the, the Lord calling them. And, and all these other prophecies are things that, that can come. But the one thing about it is, is that's, bef- that's going to happen before this great and awesome day of the Lord. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. So he's now, he's talking about, we're getting ready to start into chapter 3. So that's where we end right here. And then tomorrow, no, not tomorrow, tomorrow's Saturday. Monday, we'll start taking up chapter 3 of Joel. I want everybody to um, out there who's listening just to realize what this book of Joel is meaning and what this chapter 2 is meaning. This thing is, uh, don't pass it by. This is Old Testament prophecy pointing towards Jesus Christ and what He did to give you His Holy Spirit. This was validated and stamped by Peter as not yet completely fulfilled as, as prophecy, because that doesn't happen until when the day of the, when Jesus Christ returns. But it's all about what Jesus Christ's presence on earth has enabled us to have, and that is His Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ's presence on earth has enabled all of us to have hope. Jesus Christ on earth has enabled all of us to have mercy from God because we are restored. He's going to restore us. That restoration cannot happen unless Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. And this this vindication of the nations and all of all of humanity and the whole earth can't happen without Jesus Christ. And none of us will survive anything unless we have Jesus Christ, unless we have His Holy Spirit. And unless we hear the Lord calling us. Powerful stuff, folks. So, just to appreciate what we have been given and what the Lord Jesus Christ has given us and praise His name for it. So for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my um, fearless co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great and look forward to hearing what you have to say on this awesome book of Joel. God bless you all. We'll see you on Monday. Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Joel chapter 2, beginning at verse 26, all the way to chapter 3, verse 1. So Joel is now talking here about the day of the Lord. That's what we have um, been studying throughout. He is the first writing prophet who um, started the springboard of um, classifying the day of the Lord. So Joel had began with, you know, the locust plague, which was like a, a local situation. And he, 
he like beautifully and like very well blended it in from the local plague to the day of the Lord that began in darkness um you know the great tribulation as Jesus Christ had actually labeled it and Joel calls it um the day of the Lord and um you know then he moved on into the future the coming of Christ to the earth and then the millennial kingdom as he had actually said in verse 23 of Joel chapter 2 let me just go back to verse 23 which reads be glad then you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God for he has given you the former rain um, faithfully and he will cause the rain to come down for you the former rain and the latter rain in the first months so here he says be glad so today um and that's that's in the sorry and here he's talking about um the millennial kingdom that's after the great tribulation like he's telling them to be glad that you know their blessings that god promised unto them are coming so now we begin at verse 26 which reads you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously for you and my people shall never be put to shame. Verse 27 reads, Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. So this is when he's in the midst of Israel, when he comes to the earth and establishes his kingdom, right? And then there will be, you know, um, a fulfillment of, you know, um, this particular prophecy at that time. So all of the physical blessings that God promised the nation Israel, um, you know, will come into fruition, into fulfillment. So the Old Testament blessings were mostly physical blessings. Yeah, there were some spiritual blessings, but most of them were um, physical blessings. And the blessings, um, you know, and these involve the blessings of the land, a bumper harvest, bumper crops, uh, vineyards that are, you know, flourishing, and fields, and, you know, as well as cattle, and the spiritual blessings, you know, they seem secondary. So the, the thing that was more primary and more prominent was the physical blessings. And to the church, um, you know, he's only promised spiritual blessings. That's in the New Testament. So now let me just read from verse 28 to verse 32. Um, Dr. Jimmy Maggie pointed out, I just can't recall which writer he pointed out, like, you know, this writer actually... Um, said, you know, from verse 28, it's like it's supposed to be the third chapter and then the third chapter of the book of Joel is supposed to be like the fourth chapter because this qualifies to be a third chapter on its own because it's like, um, you know, um, it's talking about um, um, the, the day of Pentecost and it's talking about, sorry, uh, it's talking about God pouring out his Holy Spirit and, um, you know, it's, it's more of a, like, a chapter. It deserves a chapter on its own. Yeah. So now um, I begin reading at verse 28. And it says, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. 
your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also on my manservants and on my maidservants I shall pour out my spirit in those days, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem they shall be deliverance as the Lord who said among the remnants whom the Lord calls so he now comes to the spiritual blessings for these people so what we should bear in mind is you know this is focused on these people so joe's prophecies are confined to a period of time known as the day of the lord and he introduces it um, he is the first of the writing prophets and he tells what's going to actually take place in that period, so it's confined to a particular period and to particular people. So he has emphasized that it begins in darkness. You know, like the Hebrew day begins at um, sunrise. So the great tribulation period, and um, our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, gave it that name, the great tribulation period. Right? Okay. So the um, word in the phrase that is important here is and it shall come to pass afterwards right so here it says and it shall come to pass afterwards is the important word in that in the phrase so what does he actually mean by this so for us to actually get a more um wider understanding and all we turn to the book of hosea and that's Hosea 3 verse 5, which reads, Afterwards, so here's the word again, Afterwards the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So here the word, the magic word is afterwards. So now here um, we already identified um, the latter days as the period of the great tribulation which ushers in the kingdom by the coming of christ and the earth oh sorry by sorry by the coming of christ to the earth and that is the beginning of the millennial kingdom right so we are now speaking of you know a very definite period of time that this prophecy is to be fulfilled during the time of the day of the Lord and it's afterwards so after that night you know that night of darkness the great tribulation so it's afterwards um so after the night the great tribulation period God will pour out his spirit Joe is not the only one that actually mentions the pouring out of the Holy Spirit here we also have this mentioned in the book of Isaiah 32 verse uh 15 let me just turn to the book of Isaiah. So Isaiah 35 verse 15. Sorry, not 35. Isaiah 32. 
verse 15 reads, Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is counted as a forest. So, the wilderness, that's, uh, you know, Israel right now. It's like the wilderness. It's dry and arid and all. And, you know, so it's saying after the Spirit is poured out. So when is this going to happen? Afterwards. So that's after the Great Tribulation period. So um, he's speaking of the kingdom that's coming on the earth. And the pouring out of the Spirit has reference to Israel and reference to the millennium the millennial kingdom. So none of the prophets actually spoke of the church. That's because the church has been removed um, from the earth like before the Great Tribulation period. And Ezekiel also talked about the same thing. Um, if we turn to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, starting at verse 27, which reads, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my uh, statutes. Yeah. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Okay. So, um, here now, um, Ezekiel also talks about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So we can't apply the pouring out of the Holy Spirit to us today because God didn't give us any land. He didn't promise us anything. He didn't give us any land. He didn't give any land to our fathers. So this refers to a particular period, people and a particular period. Like I said earlier, like um, Joel confines this pouring out of the Holy Spirit to a particular people and a particular period. Zechariah who was one of the last writing prophets, also mentions the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So this is in Zechariah 12, verse 10, which reads, And I will pour on the and I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Mm, right? So, you know, it's so it's mentioned. Ezekiel mentions it. Isaiah mentions it. Zechariah mentions the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, and which is confined to a particular period and a particular people. So Joel makes it clear that whomsoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved and we have this in verse 32 of joel chapter 2 which says and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the lord shall be saved so the question that arises is that did peter uh you know like uh what did actually what did peter mean on the day of pentecost when um he made reference to this particular passage of scripture because he made reference to this passage of scripture from verse 28 um, of Joel chapter 2. So did he mean that um, it was fulfilled? No. He didn't say that on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came to these men and they were speaking um, 
to sorry when the holy spirit came down on the jews and you know these men were speaking that um to the jews who had come from you know the jews had come from all over um rome because it was scattered all over rome and probably beyond rome the roman empire and you know they were hearing these men speak in their native mother tongue you know everyone was speaking their own language their own native tongue but they were understanding each other so there was no unknown tongue you know they there every person was speaking in his native mother tongue and so at that time the jews were scattered like you know like i said earlier they were scattered throughout the roman empire and later on they were entirely scattered you know beyond uh, the roman empire and jerusalem you know when and, and they became scattered when jerusalem was actually like completely destroyed now they had come there for the day of pentecost and here each man hears them speak in his mother tongue and um many actually believed but a lot were you know were beginning to actually make a mockery and you know laugh and 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 they said you know that those men were filled with new wine and that they were actually drunk that's what it means in other words so simon peter is the one who actually got up to answer them and he begins on you know this note you know he was like these are not drunken as yea suppose seeing as it's the third hour of the day so in that day you know no one actually drunk in the morning it's not like today you know where everyone you know i'm gonna take a few drinks or a cocktail like in the morning at eight so peter does not say that this is in fulfillment and you know uh, of what the prophet joel said as this you know is the formula um that's all the gospel writers actually used when they're actually referring to like a fulfilled prophecy so they would actually say this is done in fulfillment so say for example let me give an example of um of of, of one of the gospel writers that's in matthew 2 verse 17 um it reads then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying a voice was heard by Rama lamentation weeping and great mourning Rachel weeping for her children refusing to be com comforted because they they are no more so here see um it's like then was fulfilled that's how they used to actually that's the formula they used to use if they're quoting scripture of what has been fulfilled so this was the fulfillment of prophecy um, that had to do with the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, this was, um, and then we also have, um, dropping down to Matthew 23, that's Matthew 2, 23, it reads, um, And he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. So now here again, you know, it's the word again, um, and it was fulfilled. So Paul, in the sermon in uh, Pisidia in Antioch, he said concerning, you know, Psalms 2 verse 7. Let me turn to Psalms 2 verse 7, which reads, um, okay. Um, it reads, I will declare and decree the Lord say, has said to me, you are my son today, I have begotten you. So, you know, 
um so paul had actually um you know in the sermon of antioch um he had actually said that uh, this actually referred to the resurrection uh and he quotes some this psalms 2 verse 7 in reference um and says this is in fulfillment so that's the formula that's actually used everyone says it's in fulfillment if it's in fulfillment right um so now um peter you know on the other side um you know says this is that you know like um it's like um this is similar that's what peter is saying so he's not saying this is in fulfillment he's just saying this is that it's similar to that so peter was not telling you know he was not actually telling it or talking to the gentiles he was talking to the jews who were taught and the old testament um teachings because um those that came up to jerusalem actually knew that they were required according to the mosaic law to come up to jerusalem during um that time of pentecost and paul says um sorry peter rather says um you are mocking this thing that happened and this is similar um it's going to be similar to that which will take place in the latter days in the last days um and then he quotes all of joel's prophecy that's um, here in verse 28 that I just read. So this wasn't the fulfillment um, on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't the fulfillment of prophecy. It hadn't yet been fulfilled because, I mean, like, there were no earthquakes. There were no darkened skies. The sun wasn't darkened. The moon wasn't blood. Um, you know, there was nothing. So 300 were actually saved. But God says he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Sorry, not 300, 3,000, I meant. So here, Scripture is saying, in Joel, is saying he will pour out his Spirit on all flesh. But on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were actually saved. So the day of Pentecost was not um, a great and terrible day. You know, like um, here it says it's going to be a great and terrible day. Um, it was actually a wonderful day. So, you know, we see here in verse 32 of Joel, um, it reads... Let me just turn to the book of Joel, verse 32. It reads, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right? So here it reveals that, you know, at that time, that the greatest time of salvation um, is in the future. It's actually coming. And God is yet to actually save more of the human race than they are, um, you know, than there's going to be lost people. So our God is a God who's gracious, who's merciful, who is long suffering. And, you know, he will take us back if we actually, um, you know, call on him. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on his name, you know, let us call on his name. And he is gracious and merciful. So now we get to chapter 3 of the book of Joel, verse 1, and it reads, For behold, in those days and at that time when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem. So this is connected, um, even if it's in um, chapter 3, but it's connected to what we um, have just been discussing. So so here, you know, in those days when the kingdom is set up upon, in those days, in that day, so that's in the latter days. Uh, when the kingdom is set up upon this earth, that's the millennial kingdom, when he brings again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. So 
he hasn't done so yet. So this is going to actually happen in the future. It hasn't happened yet. A lot of people say, oh, there's fulfillment of prophecy because, um, you know, they're returning back to the land. But, you know, that prophecy hasn't yet been fulfilled. Um, them returning back to the land is not fulfillment of prophecy. So it hasn't yet been done and it's in the future. And he hadn't, you know, he hadn't done it at the time of Pentecost. So at the time of Pentecost, you know, the prophecy of Joel was not, um, you know, a fulfillment because the Holy Spirit was not poured out on all flesh. It was poured out on about 3,000 people. And, you know, it was a wonderful day. It wasn't a terrible day, a terrible and dark day. So it was not the fulfillment of prophecy. So this is today's teaching. It's been, like, great and very humbling, you know, to just know we can just turn to God and call on him. Because even in those final last days, God is just waiting for you and me to just call on him. So, you know, like, every day as we go through life, you know, we may have challenges that we feel like are too big for us. You know, turn to God, call on him. No challenge is too small, no challenge is too silly, no challenge is too petty, no challenge is too tiny for God, no challenge is too big for God. Just turn it all to God, like turn it all to him because he is gracious and he is merciful and he is patient and he will save us. So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. God bless and have a pleasant Friday. Bye-bye. Thank you.